Hosea chapter 6, verse 3. I've got one verse for you today. It says, let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. In other words, he's always moving. He will always come to you established as the morning. As the sun rises, there is the Lord. It said, he will come to us like rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Come on this morning. Can we just declare, I've been talking these last three or so weeks. Last week I took a break because of Yom Kippur, but we've been talking this last week about water and the water rising, but I just want to declare today as I close out these this little series for you, I just want to declare today over you and your house, dry seasons are over. Amen. Dry seasons are over. I declare it today. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Dry seasons are over in your house. I'm, I'm declaring every dry corner in your mind, in your relationship, on your job. I'm declaring your finances. Dry seasons are over in your finances. Amen. Come on. We've talked about the water falling from the sky. We've talked about the water rising up from the earth. But today, I want to talk about how dry seasons are over. Your soul has been dried up. But like rain, there's a revival coming to your soul this morning. Amen. Your vision may be blurry and dried up and cloudy, but like rain. There's, I'm praying that there's a spirit of clarity that comes to you today, comes upon you today. Come on, I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, your dry season is over. Come on, look at your neighbor. Your dry season is over. Look at your other neighbor. Your dry season is over. Now I want you to say it to yourself. Say, my dry season is over. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say, my dry season it is over. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank the Lord this morning. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy. Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, that as this word is going forth, let it fall on the hearts and lives of people who are ready to receive it. Lord, there's some people in this room, they've been in a dry season, feel like nothing good can come of it. Lord, but we declare today that the rain is falling from heaven that revival is coming to a household near us. And we declare it today that dry season are over this morning in your name. And the church said amen. And the church said amen. Amen and amen. Hosea said, he said, he will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. Here God is using the very life of Hosea to speak to his people. Hosea's life is somewhat mirroring what is happening in his very own country. God has instructed Hosea to go and marry a woman, and he is excited about this new season of his life. But he finds out that he's not only marrying a woman, but he's actually marrying a harlot. Her name was Gomer, and with a name like Gomer, she better be pretty. <laughs> Woo! She better, I hope she was good looking for him. Can you imagine waking up and saying, I love you, Gomer, just looking at her. I think of Gomer Powell. I don't know about you, but Gomer, what a name for a woman. And he marries this woman and realizes that she's actually a harlot. She was known all around town for being with many, many different men. 
And we watch as this story unfolds in her life. And we watch as this man, Hosea, goes and takes her and rescues her from this lifestyle and situation. And he rescues her and begins to love her and show her appreciation that she had never seen or felt before. She was once selling her body, but now she is in a relationship with a man that really does love her for who she is. But we watch throughout her life as time goes on and it's like something happens. It's almost like a relapse as she begins to remember her past and she begins to think and go back to her old ways and life of living. And before we know it, she has wandered back into that life that she was delivered from. And at this time, her body is depleted. Her mind is not no longer present. She's just, she's just a disturbed, depleted person. She was as nothing to everyone around her. Everyone around her just saw her as nothing, but she was everything to Hosea. She finds herself literally standing on an auction block being sold, and this man, Hosea, goes and buys her and restores her again and takes her home and reminds her, says, now, now you will call me husband and you will be my wife. Life. It is this beautiful picture of God's grace and God's mercy. It's a picture of how God continues to see and rescue those that have walked away from him. And when people look at others and see nothing, this story reminds us that God looks at them and says, whatever it costs, I will pay it for them. Whatever I have to do, I've even sent my son for them. I will do whatever. They are worth it. They are are mine. It's a picture of God's love for the nation of Israel. Although he had rescued them before, although he had delivered them previously, when they would turn their back on him once again, he was always willing to rescue them because of his love for them. And you may be glad this morning or feel well, I'm so glad that that's not my story right now. But who in the house today is thankful that when that was your story, amen, he rescued you anyway, amen. Aren't you thankful this morning that when no one saw your worth, God still saw your potential? Aren't you thankful that when no one spoke good of you, God was still speaking blessings over you, amen? Aren't you so thankful that when no one could identify themselves with you, no one would identify themselves with you. God still called you his child. He still called you son. He still called you daughter. He still spoke up to the enemy and said, take your hand off of my child. Aren't you so thankful this morning that whenever you knew what was right, but you did what was wrong. Anybody ever been there? You knew what was right, but you did the wrong thing anyway. Isn't it amazing that he kept coming back to you? I don't know about you this morning, but I'm so thankful for the love of the Father. Here is Israel in this passage, in this, in this time of their life. It was literally one of the driest seasons in their history. Their rebellion, their lack of obedience, their lack of discipline has led them into this very dry place. They were struggling mentally, physically. They were struggling. And God, in the middle of this famine, God begins to speak to them about rain. They are in a drought. They are in a famine. And God starts speaking.
speaking about rain. All throughout scripture, we hear stories of rain. And rain all throughout the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic of his presence coming to earth. And we've heard, we've heard many stories. We've even heard of a man named Elijah. And he was prophesying during a famine of his, of his time. And we see him during this, uh, during this same type of uh, drought and famine. And while he is praying, while Elijah is praying, he is praying for rain. He's not praying for the famine. Everybody else is worried about the famine and what it's doing, but he's praying for rain. See, Elijah was a smart man because he understood that the famine was really not the real problem, but the problem was actually the drought, the lack of rain. Elijah knew, Elijah knew that the famine was just somewhat of a side effect, but the cause was actually the drought. Elijah knew that before they could see the end of the famine, before they could see the end of all of these side effects, that, 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 that first they had to see the end of the drought. I want you to get this because there are so many people in life today, they spend their time praying about their famine. They, pray, they spend their time praying about the issues that we see and they never really address the drought. The famine was just a symptom. Yes, it was the reason for disease. It was, it was, it was, it was just a symptom. But whenever you look at today, whenever you look at American culture today, we look out and we see famine. We see symptoms. We've, we, you, uh, we the church, we've got to understand that the division that we see in our nation, yes, it is division, but guess what? It is just a symptom of a drought, amen. The racism that we see, it is a symptom of a drought. The record-breaking numbers of addictions in America, guess what? It is symptoms of a drought. The bondage of people in their minds, it is a symptom of a drought. The record number of teenagers and 20-somethings that are on medication for anxiety and depression. It is a symptom of the drought. The rebellion of a nation, it is the symptom of a drought. The, the, this, this sexually confused culture that we are in, it is just a symptom of the drought. And we spend hours talking about the symptoms, but never addressing the cause, never really talking about the root of the problem. And the problem is actually the drought. We are talking about all of the problems in America, but we aren't talking about that the really the problem is that there is a drought in our land and we keep debating the problem but not addressing the drought. Until we, the church, get to the place where we are praying and asking God, Lord, deal with the drought. We will always have symptoms of, of, of the drought. This may sound kind of crazy, but we need to stop praying and sitting around and arguing and talking about the symptoms when we know the real problem. And we just need, whenever we're praying, we need to start praying, Lord, send the rain to America. God, let it rain. 
rain on me. God, let it rain on my house today. Lord, open up the heavens over America. Lord, open up the heavens over Legacy Church. Lord, open up the heavens over my house. Lord, open up the heavens over my husband, over my wife. Lord, open up the heavens over my children. Lord, open up the heavens over my school system. Lord, we need the rain. Anybody with me today say praise the Lord. You know what? We've lost our minds if we think a political party can make it rain in America. We've lost our way, our our mind, if we think that the Senate or Congress is going to fix the real issues or the symptoms of this land. We have more faith in a president than we do in Jesus. Yes, the right people in the right seats can make a difference. And yes, we should go to the polls and we should vote every single time. But let me tell you something. The government cannot facilitate the rain. The government cannot facilitate the rain. It's not the government's place to facilitate the rain. God has not given the power to the government to facilitate the rain over America. It's not the government's place to end the drought in America. Guess what? It's the church's responsibility. The rain must be addressed by the church of America. And until the church in America awakens, the nation will remain asleep. And we've got to pray for rain. Listen, prayer is it has a power that pushes back darkness. And guess what? It starts in the church. Jesus said, my house shall be called what? A house of of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. He he wanted his house to be a house of prayer because he wanted it to be a house full of power. And he knew the power of prayer. And that's what he wanted his house to be known as. I don't know about you, but I'm in such a place where I'm tired of talking about the famine. I'm tired of talking about orientations. I'm tired of talking about transition. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm just ready to see the rain in America. Lord, send the rain. Lord, I know the problem. It's because we have drifted away from your presence. Lord, fill this place with rain. It said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. He did not say it should be called a house of good singing. He didn't say, I want my house to be a house of lights. He did not say, I want my house to be a house full of good messages. Yes, I hope we have all of those things. Yes, those things have their place. But guess what? He said, my house, I want it to be known first as a house of prayer. He set the bar. He set a precedence because power is released when we pray. Things start shifting when God's people start praying. Amen. Rainmakers are developed in houses of prayer. I want to be a rainmaker. I don't want to be a meteorologist. They don't know what they're doing. I've never saw a job where you can get paid so much to know so little. I want to be a rainmaker. Rainmakers sometimes got a rain dance. Rainmakers look crazy. Rain dancers look crazy. But I don't know about you. I want to be a rainmaker. I want to be one of those people that everybody thinks are crazy until they need a little rain. 
I want to be one of those pastors. Everybody calls me crazy until they need a miracle. I want to be one of those people that they just walk people like, I don't know about it. I don't know if I'd go to that church. But whenever they need a prayer, whenever they need something shaken loose from heaven, they come around and say, let me have him. I don't care if he's crazy or not. He's a rainmaker. Rainmakers are developed in houses of prayer. I want you to understand this, that God did not just put you here just to be here. Amen. He did not put you here because he needed somebody else in the planet. But God put us here to make rain over the area where we are. He put you here to break the drought over somebody's life. That crazy person next to you in that cubicle that gets on your last nerve, God may have put you on earth as that person is your assignment to break the drought over their life. God is calling churches to become rainmakers and break the drought over their land. Can I get an amen this morning? You've got to understand this, that there are some people that have become so accustomed to the drought that they are now okay with it. They've become so accustomed to the dry season by they know they needed rain. They know they needed his presence. But they filled that spot with other things of this world. They've self-medicated it. They, 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 they. They needed a little ego boost, so they bought a bigger house. They got a nicer car. They, they built themselves a social media platform. They've got more followers than ever before to where now they're looking around at everything that they have, and they're like, well, is the drought really that bad? <laughs> I mean, look at my house. Look at my kids. They're in this school, and, and, and everything's looking great right now. Is the drought... Is, 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 is being out of church a year really that bad? Is, really, is not praising really that bad? Is not being in the presence, the drought, is it, is it really that? It don't look, is it really that bad? In other words, even when the rain falls, there will be many that will not get wet because of their familiarity with the drought. You just don't like to change. Anybody in the room? But let me tell you, if you are here this morning and there is a more Lord spirit that is inside of you, if you are here today and you are so grateful for what he has done for you and you're just at the point where you are like, Lord, I thank you for what you did for me last year. God, I know you woke me up this morning. Lord, I don't want to sing greedy, but guess what? I may be content, but I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. If you're at that place in your life and you say, you know what? There's just something on the inside of me that just keeps crying out for more. It is long for more. There is something in me that is so thirsty and nothing that I do can quench this spiritual thirst. If you're at the place where you're like, Lord, I just want more of you. Guess what? Guess what? For you this morning, I want to prophesy and let you know that your dry season is over and there is a rain that's coming to your house. Hosea 6.3 says, he, the Spirit, 
will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain in the earth. The word here, he will come to us like the rain. The Hebrew word here for rain is geshem. It's not the rain that you just talk about like, I think it's going to rain tomorrow. But that's a different word. This rain is a rain. It is a physical rain. It is something, the actual rain falling on your head. And you feel it and you can grasp it. It's the physical rain that you can feel. It's the kind of rain that falls and it disturbs dry places. It's the kind of rain that awakens the ground after a dry season. Who would agree with me? today that in this life that we are in, you personally, your house, even America, that we don't need just a sprinkling. We don't need a drizzle, but we need a geshem. Amen. We need a downpour kind of rain, a rain that will break up dry ground, a rain that will leave us soaked, a rain that is so hard that even the outsider looking in says that had to be a move of God. It cannot be identified as anything else. But so many people, they want to run to the rain of blessings. Lord, rain down on me. Lord, I need $100. Send it on down. Send it on down right now. Anybody ever prayed that prayer? Y'all are liars. You sit here like, Lord, here I am. I've been good this week. And Lord, I need a favor. Send it on down. So many people want to run to the rain of blessing, but few want to talk about the rain of purification. The cleansing rain. The kind of rain that first service I called a gully washer rain. That's a southern term. The rain that gets the dead things out of the way. The rain that literally cleans the gutters for your for yourself. It, it is so hard that it literally removes the debris of your mind. It clears things out of the streets so you can walk in the will of the Lord. We need a Geshem kind of rain, amen. A physical rain, a move that is tangible, an outpouring that cannot be denied. I want you to understand this, that this Geshem rain in Israel falls between December and March and it breaks up the hard ground from the summer. It refills all of the cisterns. It refills all of the sources of water. But get this, if this rain does not fall in its due season, it will affect the future seasons. If it doesn't come in the moment of that season, the farmers know next season all is lost. We've got to pray for the rain today. We've got to pray for the rain to fall right now. We've got to pray for the rain to fall because it because if it doesn't come, our future season will be affected. If it doesn't fall on us right now, future generations will be affected. It came because the ground was thirsty. That rain began to fall in that season because the because it knew that the ground was ready. I talked a couple of weeks ago about being in a posture of readiness. The rain knew that the ground was in a posture. It was like as if the ground was speaking and saying, I need you to fall right now because if you don't fall on us, we cannot hold or produce a harvest next season. Are you understanding this parallel of the story this morning? When you get yourself ready for it, it will fall. 
God's not going to waste a season of rain on somebody who doesn't want it. The question is, are you ready for it? If God poured himself out right now over your house, is your house ready for it? If God poured himself out right here this morning, I mean came in like a flood, are you ready for it? About three weeks ago, I believe it was second service, God had me to ask, how bad do you want it? It was the altar I was about to dismiss, and I heard the Lord just say, ask, how bad do you want it? And I feel that again today. How bad do you want it? How thirsty are you really? Because whenever you get thirsty, whenever you've gone days without water, you don't care what brand of water it is, you'll drink it. I was telling first service I was in India for 12 or so days years ago. And you know when you go to India, you can't drink the water. You'll get sick as a dog. And you got to be careful because you'll be so thirsty. People on the streets will come up to you trying to sell bottles of water. And if you don't want to listen to be sure that that seal isn't broken, they've taken old bottles and filled it with their water. And us visitors who don't have the stomach to hold the parasites. We get sick as a dog when we drink it. I remember running off that airplane. I was so thirsty. I was like, if I can, I just want, I just want a sweet tea, Lord. Lord, I've been good for you. I've preached to hundreds of people in India. Lord, just give me a sweet tea. I remember running off the plane thinking, I've got to find something to drink. Because so many are in a season where they don't want to drink the water unless it's the water that they want. I want to, they're, they're, they're picky Christians. I want to be blessed, but I want it my way, right away, when I want it, how I want it. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. I want it right now. I want it my way, and I want it, Lord, but I want it when I want it, how do I want it. I only want to drink the water, Lord, if it's Aquafina. Lord, I only want to drink the water if it's in a white bottle. Lord, I only want to drink it if it's spring water. Lord, I'm only going to drink, I only want water if it's been, if it's been filtered about 20 times. Lord, I only drink the water if it's in a Yeti. It's got to look like I want it to look, be where I want it to be. But let me tell you something this morning. When you get desperate, when you get thirsty, you don't care where you got to go to get it. You you don't care what it looks like. You just say, Lord, give me the water. Lord, let it rain on me this morning. You'll even drink from a water hose. Remember drinking from a water hose? Back before you were a hoodlum if you did it. Right now, I think about, I can taste that rubber in my mouth. Can you taste that, that, that rubber water in your mouth? And we're all still here. Praise the Lord. We made it. When you get thirsty in the spirit, all you want to do is be around people in the spirit. When you get so thirsty 
Those people, there's some people that you used to hang around with. You, you, you just can't be with them anymore. There's, there's, whenever you get so desperate, God, I just want more of you. You will do anything for a little bit of rain. You'll do anything for some water. When you get thirsty, you'll do anything to be refreshed. People will be looking at you like you're crazy. And you're in the back row. You're just back there rain dancing. Everybody else is like this, like they're at a funeral. Like, praise ye the Lord. You're like, I just want the rain to fall on me and all people be looking but you don't care because you are after the rain and you're not after anybody's applause you just want what God has for you there will be no rain wasted on ground that's not ready or thirsty write this down Zechariah 14 17 and 18 Zechariah chapter 14 17 18 get this this is good it said and it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to worship. Somebody say worship. If they don't come up to what? To worship. Say it again, worship. Say it again, worship. It said, if they do not come up to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. Dry churches, because they ain't worshiping. Show me a church that knows how to worship. I'll show you where the rain's falling. Verse 18, the next verse. If the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in. Somebody say enter in. Somebody say enter in. If they will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain. <laughs> he said if they don't come up to worship, there will be no rain on them. Worship is like your rain dance. Some of you feel called to dance. Let it rip, potato chip. Let the rain fall. Worship is an activator. Worship is like a flag in the heavens that said, they're desperate. Look at them down there. Tilt it over. Tilt over the prayer ball. Tilt over the rain. Open up a window. They're ready. They're desperate for it. Worship is like a rain dance. If you don't come in here and worship, there will be no rain. Don't tell me you're desperate and then not worship. Don't tell me you're so desperate and then you can't even worship. And I hear the Lord saying this to people today. Don't tell me you're desperate. Show me. Show me you're desperate. I've heard you talk about it. Show me you're desperate. Verse 18 says, if you do not come up and enter in, there will be no rain. If you do not come up and enter in. The ch churches all across America this morning are full of people that have come up to church but will not enter in. Do you know that you can come up but not enter in? You can look pretty, cute, got your shoes on, got your new hairdo, got your nails did, everything's good. You can come up to the table but not eat from it. You can come up to his presence but not get in his presence. He said, I want you to enter in because if you do not enter in, guess what? There will be no rain on you. What does that mean to enter in? Get this. Too many people want to be on the end with God but don't want to go in with God. We're on the ends. We all tight. Padres. Jesus is my brother. Bless me, I'll bless you. We're all tight. We're on the ends with each other. 
but they don't want to go in with God. They want revelation, but they don't want to go in to get it. They want prayers answered, but they don't want to go in to get it. They want, they want, they want authority. They want the keys to the kingdom because we, I'm just in with Jesus. But you don't want to go in somewhere to get it. And this is a state of a lot of people in the church. That's why it's, that's why it's so quiet right now. Look at your neighbor and say, you talking about me? We want to be in. I am a friend of God. He calls me a friend. But we don't want to go in and stick next to him closer than a brother and say, I'll do anything for you, Lord. Lord, whatever it can, Lord. Lord, just speak to me. I'll do it. Lord, if I need to give it up, you tell me. Lord, whatever I need to do to break this curse, I'll do it. We want the curse broken, but we don't want to go in and do it. I want the inside scoop. I want the revelation. I want special access, but I don't want to go in with you. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Get this. If you have access, which you do have access to the king's gates and to the king's courts, would you not enter in? People, the queen died. People standing in hours. She don't know you. She don't know you exist. I get it. It's honor. I get it. They stood there miles. You couldn't even see her. She was wrapped up, y'all. You couldn't even stop for a second. You just had to keep walking and just nod. For hours. For hours. And guess what? They never got an invite into her courts. But they loved her. They would stand outside for days. They, they were never allowed into her courts. They were never allowed to go through that gate. But you, my friend, if you are part of the new covenant, you've been washed in the blood, you have access not only to him, but you can go through his gates and get through his courts this morning. And if you have that access, why not do it? When standing on the outside of the courts, you may see his presence, but you can't feel it as if you were in it. All those people throughout the years watching the queen from afar, Look at her. Then she would go inside and have the real party with the people she invited. I got to see her, but it was, I, I didn't get to be in her presence. It's not like that with the Lord of Lords. You can not only see him, but you can go through the gate. You can go through his courts. You can go into the holy of holies today. You can get in his presence. And the word says it's those people it will rain on. God, promise his, God promises to reveal himself in worship. I want, you to, I want you to get this. No worship, no rain. That was deep. No worship. No rain. But if you know worship, you will know what the rain feels like. 
if you know how to worship and you know what it is and when you should do it. If you know, I know worship, you will know the rain. No worship, no rain. But if you know worship, you will know what the rain feels like. I want you to write this down. Desperation precedes precipitation. You will reap what you sow. Mama said so. Mama told you. You should have listened to mama. It's in the word. You will reap what you sow. If you sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. When you get desperate for God, what are your actions saying to the Lord? When you get desperate, what are you sowing? I know some people, they will come into my office and, oh, pastor, I'm so desperate. I've never wanted the Lord like I want him now. Oh, I just wake up and I just want to get in the Word. And next week, they've run off with a new man. Oh, pastor. Woo! I felt it. I want it. And then tomorrow, you're high as a kite. When you get desperate, what are you sowing? When you get desperate, are you running to him? Or from him. When you get desperate, what are you sowing? What are you doing? Are you singing or are you smoking? That's what I thought. Are you praising or are you or are you partying? What's your desperation look like? Are you worshiping or are you worrying? He said, Show me you're desperate. I've heard you now. Show me. It's the Geshem rain that breaks the drought during desperation. It's that whenever you're desperate, it comes and it falls on you. But I want you to get this. The worst that there's another kind of rain. It's the latter rain. I don't know why this is crazy. I've been Pentecostal all my life. And I've never looked up the meaning of latter rain. I just thought I was born in it. I know what it is. Latter rain, look at this. The latter rain is the spring rain. It's the maturing rain. The Hebrew word for latter rain is malchwash, not mouthwash, malchwash. Listen, this is what it means. It means maturing. It means to bring to a place of eloquence. It means a rain that matures and develops the root. The Geshem rain breaks up the ground. The, brush, uh, the, 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 the Geshem rain breaks up the hard ground so it can be plowed and prepped for next season. The, the, the Geshem rain falls on us and it deals with the hearts and the minds, all those hard places. But this Malkosh, this, this, this latter rain comes to mature the plants that have been sown. And once the spirit comes, once it convicts and you experience that Geshem rain, it brings you into a place of discipline. It reaches in areas of your life that are hard to get to and seeds are planted into the soil of your soul and then you need the mouthwash. You need to mature. It's the latter rain that matures the crops. It's the latter rain that matures the believer. It causes you to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. You actually want to say that to the other neighbors so go ahead and say it. Say, grow up. 
Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, he said this, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You can see the process here. He not only had a Damascus Road experience, he not only had a Geshem rain fall on him, he was not only filled with the Spirit, but he also in his life had a latter rain experience that caused him to mature in the Spirit. Why do we have so many immature believers in the church? And whenever I say immature believers, I'm not talking about new believers. I'm talking about people who've been of the faith, but they are not... They haven't grown any. (laughs) They're immature. Why do we have so many immature believers on social media making us all look like a bunch of nuts? Anybody? It's because they've not been in a ladder ring. (laughs) They've not been, they've not been in a spirit that not only convicts and washes things away, but they've not had that latter rain that causes their root to grow deep, that causes knowledge and wisdom to come upon them. I heard this. It said, Jesus made the lame to walk, but Facebook made the dumb to talk. <laughs> that will be my most quoted statement of this message. I feel it in my spirit. In this hour, when our faith is under a microscope, when Christianity is trying to be squeezed out of the land, we, the church, have got to be mature. We need a latter-day reign. We've got to be seasoned. We've got to walk in a new level of wisdom. There are too many people in the church that are too, they are too easily offended. There are too many people in the church. You've been saved for 15 years and you're still holding grudges. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit and still backstab your neighbor. You've had perfect attendance this year in church and you still got a bad attitude. Ooh, it's getting quiet. I feel something coming back. I feel pushed back. You were raised in the church. Ban, help me out. You were raised in the church. You're still living in sin. Mad because nobody would speak to you. Mad because somebody sat in your chair. Mad because somebody got your parking spot. Moving from church to church because you're not mature enough to receive correction. Woo! It's time for the church to grow up. Can I get an amen? The church, we are at a place We've got to start praying for rain. We are so discombobulated by all the symptoms of life. We are so bent out of order with this generation doing this and this person's transitioning and this girl thinks she's a boy and this and this. And, this. and we are sitting here like, God, what do we do? Let me tell you what you do. Quit, quit, quit talking about the symptoms and start praying for the rain of the Spirit. You get your eye, before you know it, we make a little molehill into a mountain. (laughs) Somebody downstairs felt that. Thank you, whoever that was. We, 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 We will lose sleep. We will lose friends over symptoms. 
we will lose a harvest griping and debating about symptoms when we know the problem. We need the rain. We need the rain. Spiritual maturity needs to always be on your prayer list. If you don't have a prayer list, Right, get one today. If you do have one on it, you need to write down latter rain, spiritual maturity. That needs to be on your prayer. Even if you think you are mature, keep it on the list. Even if you are growing, keep it on the list. Because as your prayer life increases, your awareness increases. As your worship grows deeper, your faith grows deeper. If you think you've arrived at maturity, you probably need to keep praying. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to stop growing. I don't ever want to stop knowing. I don't ever want to stop learning. That's why I hang around people that are bigger and better than me. Why? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not arrived. I'm not, I'm, I'm not there yet. I don't ever want to think I'm at the place where I feel I've seen it all. I've done it all. I've got nothing else to learn. I've got nothing else to give. No, no, no. I don't know about you, but I want to be like one of those creatures in heaven that's just covered in eyeballs. And every time I walk around earth, I'm just seeing something new God's doing. I'm seeing a new glory. I'm seeing a new miracle I've never seen before. I'm seeing people healed I've never that I thought would never get out of that wheelchair. I'm seeing revelation. I'm seeing dreams that I've never dreamed of. I'm catching visions that I never thought could happen in my in my life and in my eyes. I'm catching it. I'm catching it. I'm ca- I don't know about you, but whenever I walk around, I want to walk around. And be, if you ever if you walked around, you had wet feet and you can hear it. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm walking around downtown. I, when I walk by somebody, I want them to hear the water in my shoe. Why? Because I want to be a rainmaker. I'm tired of being all soaked up and dry. No, I just want to be. I just want to be full of the water of the Spirit. I just want to be full of the Holy Ghost. I just want to be full of His power. 